We're back with the Rush Fan Cast. It's Steve and Jerry. Hello. Welcome. Something for nothing. I forget what episode this is. Let's stop counting. I don't think we need to count anymore. Okay. You can find us at Twitter at Rush Fancast, Instagram at the Rushcast, email Jerry, the Rushcast at gmail.com. And this podcast is available pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts, Jar. Yeah, I think so. And I'm proud of that. Yep. And we were just discussing off air the off great air. the great feedback we've had from all our listeners. I mean, we really appreciate everybody who's listening to this podcast. We yes. thank you so much. Yes. I mean, it's really making it worth it for us. When we started this out, I would have been happy if 10 people listened. Yes, that's and true. how many listeners do you think we have? Well, I don't know. I mean, we have thousands of, of downloads. Which is and, awesome. Yes. I'm, I'm, it's overwhelming is what it is. It is. I mean, checking the, the feed every day to see the, the listens and where the listens are coming from, it's, it's, um, it's interesting. Well, it, it really tells us that what we thought when we hatched this idea really is true that right. people want to talk about rush and they want to hear people talking about rush. Yes. So, um, cause we talked about rush all the time. We talk about rush all the time and we're sure you talk about rush all the time and it's fun to listen to two people talk about rush all the time. Yeah. That's it is. Yeah. It's basically what we're doing. So that's exactly what we're doing. Yeah. If you've uh, never listened before, that's, that's what we do. We talk <laughs> about rush. We talk about rush all the time. <laughs> that's all we do. And on Twitter, I interact with our Twitter fans mm -hmm. and we have another Twitter poll, Jer. Okay. A few weeks ago, we um, discussed Vapor Trails, and the week we did the first four tracks of Vapor Trails, okay. I asked our listeners what their favorite of the first four tracks on Vapor Trails is. Okay. And what do you think they said? I, I don't know. Shall I give you the choices just to refresh your memory? Yes. One Little Victory leads off the album, uh -huh. Ceiling Unlimited, Ghost Rider, and Peaceable Kingdom. Hmm. What would you say is the favorite of the Twitter Rush fans. I say one, little, those vi four one songs. little victory. You are correct. 47% said one little victory. And um, I think it's because they played it live a lot. Yeah, yeah. And it's the first song on the record, right. which tends to be the one that sticks in people's minds. Well, yeah, more. especially the way it starts. Yeah, it's such, and it's a great song. Yeah, it is a great song. It's understandable. Ghost Rider came in second with 27%, and Ceiling Unlimited came in third with 16%. Mm. Peaceable Kingdom, I was surprised, only got 10%. Eh, well, I really like that song, but what do I know? What do I know about Rush, Jer? As much as I do. As much as you do, but not as much as some of the fans out there do. <laughs> that is and true. And that's another reason why I'm so glad people are listening. Even though, These are two guys that don't know as much about Rush as diehard, diehard Rush fans yes, do. Yes. Yeah. We're still somehow sort of interesting to listen to. It's true. Yeah. People are <laughs> interested in just hearing people talk. Just talking about Rush. Yeah, and today we're going to talk about Fly By Night. Yeah, Fly By Night. Great, great Rush album. It the is. first, which features Neil Peart on drums. That it, yeah. Everybody knows. I think everybody knows that. Well, not well, not Maybe, everybody. Uh, that's true. Not everybody. We could have some new Rush fans that are listening to the podcast. And, there, and honestly, there are a couple that I've seen on Twitter, 18, 17-year-old Rush fans. Maybe they don't have Fly By Night. Maybe they don't. Maybe yeah. they don't know. That's right. That Neil didn't appear on the first album. Like, and I, on the last podcast, we were talking about the the first album. My brother didn't know. He right. Was, he listened to it along with the other albums. Right. And he didn't know that Neil wasn't on the first. Right. Album. So this is the first album Neil appeared on. Also, the first album produced by Terry Brown. Yeah. And do you think there's a difference? I do in the the production of the album versus the first album. Oh, the production. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds a lot better. I mean, Terry Brown was involved in the first album. 
And some, right. Um, he, I think he was involved in the, the remixing, of, yeah, the remixing, the of, remixing of certain tracks, including Working Man. Yeah. But he did not produce the full album. I think Rush got credit for producing the album themselves, which is basically what yes. they did. And Fly By Night was released February 15th, 1975, mm. not long after the first album, yeah. and recorded in five days. Five days. And as you were talking about previously, they did this at night, right? I think so. Yeah. After a show, they'd go to the studio, yeah, and get this, cheap studio time at night. Yeah, and this uh, record was written on the road, basically. Yeah. So, And Neil writing the lyrics for the first time, most of them. Most of them, yeah. Some of the songs, I guess, had already been written? or Yeah, I think so. I think that, that was basically it. Yeah. And the other thing is, the record company was not happy with, with this album. No. They weren't. What, they what? wanted something more like the first album. Man, record companies. Record companies. <laughs> damn record companies. Do you have a do you have any uh, like a quote or anything I from them? I don't, I don't, but I I would love But to. I read in a couple of different places that the record company was not thrilled. I mean, when they heard By Tour and the Snow Dog, they probably said, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> What's going on here? By Tour and the what? <laughs> uh, we want we we want more in the mood. Yeah. That's what they wanted, but they didn't get it. They didn't get it. And um, do you know who Rush opened for, Jer, on this tour? February to June, 1975. Kiss. Which, which is crazy that Fly By Night came out in February and Caress of Steel came out <laughs> six months later. Right. Crazy. I, op- don't, I don't know. They opened for Kiss and Aerosmith. Kiss, that's what I said. I there said you go. Kiss. Very good. It was an Aerosmith opened, they were the third on the bill? That I don't know. It just uh, what I read the, they opened for Kiss and Aerosmith. Hmm, so okay. maybe maybe they all toured together. I don't know. I think Rush did some dates with Aerosmith. We should have checked Wandering the Face of the Earth. We sure to get this have. information. Yep. Skip and Eric would not be happy with us. Nope. No. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was recorded at Toronto Sound Studios in Toronto, and um, it's a great album. Anything uh, before we get into it? Anything else about the album before we get into the songs themselves, Jer? Well, I I found some quotes about when the guys met Neil for the first time. Oh yes, this yeah. is this is a great story. Go ahead. Oh, there's a story. All I have is these quotes. Oh, okay. Well, you give have, me the quote. Give me the quotes, and I'll tell you the story I heard. Okay. So all I have are these quotes. Alex said uh, we were so blown away by Neil's playing. It was very Keith Moonlight very active and he hit the drums so hard and after we jammed we chatted and he was so bright we connected on many levels i have to admit on that first day i said to getty you know maybe we should still hold out to see who else is out there but when we talked about it we were convinced that he was the right guy well what i read is that they auditioned five drummers yep and neil was the fourth yeah I feel really bad for that guy who I was have, the fifth you I have, have his quote. name no i don't have oh. his name but there's a quote from getty he says, on the day that Neil auditioned, we had five guys in, three before Neil and one after. The last guy had come a long way, a two-hour drive, and it was very uncom- It was a very uncomfortable situation having him audition after Neil because Neil was so effing good. <laughs> the poor guy had written charts <laughs> oh, and was man. playing to our songs to charts. We were going through the motions. It was really awkward. I'm looking at Alex and Alex is looking at me. We were embarrassed for this guy because we were so both excited by Neil's playing. There was no denying that Neil was the man. Wow. I wonder who that guy is. I'd love to have his name. Would you like to meet that? That'd be a good guy to interview. The guy who- (laughs) Who followed Neil? Who followed Neil. 
What what must that audition have been like? I don't know. He was probably sitting there. What is what's with these two? What's with these two? These guys aren't into this at all. These are their own songs. Uh, but another quote from Getty about that audition. He said the first thing we jammed with Neil in in his audition was Anthem. Oh wow. That song was written for the most part while John was still in the band. It was very different to, to any of the songs on the first album, more complex. There were a lot of things that John was unhappy about, and one of them was the direction that Alex and I wanted to go in. And I think with that little bit of anthem, our musical differences were sort of brought to the fore. Wow. So the song anthem pretty much cemented in Getty and Alex's mind that they needed to move on. Yeah. And get a different drummer. Yeah. It's crazy. And uh, Neil joined on Getty's 21st birthday. Wow. Happy birthday, Getty. July 29th, 1974. Mm. Crazy, right? Yeah, crazy. And when did they start? They they rehearsed for like two weeks and then they started the tour? I think so, yeah. His first show was in August. Man. August 14th, I think, something like that. Amazing. It is really, amazing. It really is amazing. Yeah. And uh, with that, let's get into the first track of Fly By Night, Jar Anthem. So, what do you think, Jer? Oh, this is the new Rush. Yeah, this is the new Rush. This song. Oh, man, this song is so, so good. It's so good. It and Neil's a- playing, it's like he's announcing his arrival. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. His playing is crazy. Yeah. The thing with Neil is he never shows off. Just, she just plays. This is just right. him playing. He's not, this isn't him. Like, but it sounds like he's showing off. Yeah, I guess. But uh, he, <laughs> he does not show, he's not the kind of person who's going to show off. He just, this is just the way he plays. And Getty and Alex, too. I mean, the speed yeah. of the playing on this song is just incredible. Yeah. I mean, in contrast to the first album, it's a totally different band. Yeah. Well, that's just it. This, to me, I mean, Rush is the first Rush album, but this is the first Rush album. real Rush album yeah. because Neil's in the band. Yeah. Nothing against John Rutsey. Nope. Great drummer. But this, this is Rush. Yeah, it is. And it, it's outstanding. I don't know what else to say. No. And um, because Neil wrote the lyrics for this, Jerry, you you may be able to break down the lyrics for us. What um, do you think? Yeah, I think I can. Why don't you do that? Well, this is a, this is definitely an uh, Ayn Rand song. It's definitely a Randian song. Yeah. Because Anthem is the name of the book that 2112 is based on. Right. Um, and So the, so- the lyrics of the song are not based on the book Anthem. No. The 2112 the, lyrics are. Right. But this okay. song is Anthem. Based, I mean, it's the name of the book. Right. So it's it's about Ayn Rand's philosophies. Correct. Um, what is it called? Objectivism. Objectivism, yes. Yeah. It's definitely a young man's song. It's definitely like a, a, a statement song. Oh, yeah. You know? 
I mean, usually isn't it young men that read Ayn Rand? I mean, I know, <laughs> I know, I I read Ayn Rand when I was in my twenties. I think yeah, it might be a rite of passage. Didn't you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, right. I mean, I wouldn't read it now, probably, right. or I wouldn't buy into it at least. I might read it. What do you think of the first line? Or the first two lines. Know your place in life is where you want to be. Don't let them tell you that you owe it all to me. Jeez, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think that the first line, know your place in life is where you want to be, isn't really as selfish as it may sound. It's definitely, to me, it's, it's, um, make, it's, it's about making sure that where you are in your life is where you want to be in your life. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Wherever it is. Right. Okay. So, so just make sure. Don't that, be doing something you don't want to do. Right. Do what you want to right. do. Know your place in life is where you want to be, wherever it is. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're doing. Make sure it's you're doing what you want to do. And what about what, the, whatever? Um, what about the second line? Don't, don't let, let them let, tell you that you owe it all to me. I don't know. That one's a little hard. That one's definitely uh, more Anne Rand than anything else. Yeah, because at this point uh, they had been touring for so long and they were putting so much time and effort into into the band that you know they could really chalk their success up to themselves. Mm-hmm. And I guess the, the people or you know the 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 core people around them. So I think that's what he's saying in this song, is you know if you're listening to this song, don't and you're like inspired by it, don't let anyone tell you that it's really me who's doing these things. Because Got it. Okay. If, if I'm inspiring you, you're the one who still has to do it. Even though Anne Rand might have inspired Neil with her philosophies, it, inspiration isn't enough. You have to actually act on the inspiration. Right. You can read philosophy all day long, but if you're not acting on it and, and making it a part of your life, then- you, What good is it? Yeah, what good is it? And uh, Neil got some criticism for these lyrics, didn't he? I mean, he got labeled as a fascist by some- Yeah. Which is a little I extreme. Know. I mean, I, I don't see that in here. No. Just because, though I know they've always told you selfishness is wrong, I don't see that as fascist. No, I don't think that uh, this song, wasn't it more of like when 2112 was big? I think it was this song. Oh, was I think song? it was this song, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's that, that line is true though, right? I know that, well, I know they always told you selfishness was wrong, but it was for me, not you, that I came to write this song, mm-hmm. right? These, again, artistically, they were into uh, Ayn Rand's philosophy more artistically than they were politically. Right. And it's true, they... They wrote these, and that's why we love them so much. Right. They did what they wanted to do. Right. And these songs are uh, a representation of who they are. Right. They're writing them for themselves. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're writing them for themselves makes them appealing to other people because you could feel the, you know, the genuine nature of the songs. Yeah. I, I'm just amazed that so quickly Neil was just right in tune with Getty and Alex yep. with their, with their philosophy musically. Yeah. You know? Yep. They all agreed with this philosophy right yep. from the get-go. And they'd only met, what, how long ago? You know, a couple months ago when he wrote this probably, right? Yeah, which is Which is amazing to me. Yeah. It really is. Anthem of the heart and anthem of the mind, a funeral dirge for eyes gone blind. <laughs> now, the, That's when, great. When I think about that, I'm thinking about like anthem of the heart and anthem of the mind is more of a very uplifting thing, right? It's again, like the inspiration that it can drive you to what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But then the next line, a funeral dirge for eyes gone blind. If you like, if you can't see the prize that you're going for, you're basically blind. And instead of hearing right. an anthem, you're hearing a dirge. Oh, I see. Okay. 
Again, I could just be way over. <laughs> or you could be, or you could be right on target, Jared. I and think then, so. And then the next line is is perfect. We marvel after those who saw it. Wonders in the world. Wonders in the world. Wonders in the world they wrought. And until I read the lyrics, you know, many years ago, yeah. I could never understand what Getty was saying yeah. there. <laughs> I mean, that's just uh, this is just admiration for people who make their dreams reality, right? We marvel after those who sought wonders in the world that they wrought. Okay. They yeah. mar- they're, they're marveling. They're appreciating people who made their dreams come true. And now we're appreciating Rush for making their dreams come true. That's right. And in turn, making our dreams come true, Jeff. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. So I think this song to me, in a weird way, reminds me of One Little Victory hmm. from Vapor Trails. How so? Just musically, One Little Victory sort of announces announces Rush's return. Mm. And this song so, sort of musically announces Rush's arrival mm, yeah. on the scene. Yeah. And it's just a great opening song for a record, like One Little Victory. Yeah, definitely. And as we said before, it's the first true Rush song. Yeah. Really. I think that this song is probably more responsible for people thinking that Getty screams all the time than any other song. Yeah. Because at the end, I guess at the second Second time around when he says, you know, wonders in the world, what is in the world they wrought, his voice just is right. out, of, out of, who knows where it's going. He's screaming at the top of his yeah. lungs. And I think people hear that and that's what they remember. Because yeah. people always say that, you know, Getty's voice, he just screeches a lot, but I, I didn't hear him screeching a but lot. But this is one of those songs, I don't think later in their careers they could have played this, just because I don't think Getty could no. possibly, possibly have hit these notes. Nope. Not and at all. What a great song it would have been to see them do live, but I don't, I, I don't even think it was an option. No. Not that, not that they didn't want to do it. It's just they couldn't. No. Yeah. I mean, he had to stop doing this. I don't know. Maybe when he was 30. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Which is amazing. It is. But yeah, what a, what a great way to start an album. Great way to start the album. Great way to announce Rush's arrival onto the earth yeah. as a trio, Getty, Alex, and Neil. And uh, let's move on to track two, Jar, shall we? Let's. Best I can. This song, Jar, was written by Getty Lee. Yes. Only Getty. I think he wrote the music and the lyrics, yeah. correct? Yes. This song sounds like it could have been on the first record. Yeah, absolutely. And probably was written around the time of the first record. It, or it close might have to been. that time. I don't know about musically because it, it is you know, a little more complicated. Than oh, yeah. Well, Neil put his stamp on this for yeah, sure. The true. drums are, cra- yeah. again, like Anthem, just crazy. Right. I love this song. Oh, yeah. It's a great song. But again, uh, lyrically, there are a couple of other songs on this album that aren't up to par lyrically. But I th- I think lyrically, this is better than some of the lyrics on the first album, don't oh, you think? I think so. By far. Yeah. But, you know, I've got a living that's rough, a future that's tough. You know what I mean? <laughs> what, is then, it, what does he mean? I don't know. 
when people in songs you ask know- you what they mean, <laughs> I'm not sure what they mean. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? What do I mean? Uh, how about rock and rollin's a scream, making millions my dream? I do that a lot. Yeah. That's a good line. Don't like long rests, I must confess. I'm an impatient cat. <laughs> Getty is a cat. He is. He's, he's a, a cool cat. he's a cool cat. However, the guitar solo makes oh. up for Oh, the the song is great. It is I mean, a great song. If you forget the lyrics, yeah. and you just, probably did, it's just an amazing song. Just really good. It and, is. and Neil adds so much to it with his crazy ass drumming. It's yeah. He's out of control. There's cowbell on this song too. Yeah, more cowbell. More cowbell. Got to have more cowbell. <laughs> I know. Love it. Yeah. I mean, so it's a it's a good song. There's one thing I never knew, like the the second line of the of the song is blankers and boasters. All the buffers bluffers and posers. I'm not into that scene. I didn't know he was saying blankers and boasters there. I, what, what's I, a blanker? Um I I don't know. I'm assuming it's a, a blank piece of paper. People who have no substance to them i guess people i guess the people look, who look boast. at you interpreting getty's lyrics jared i don't know maybe <laughs> maybe it's just like a maybe it's just a slang term that they picked up somewhere blankers yeah but that's what i would assume but what do i know it's about mm. blankers and boasters he's not into that scene whatever it is right getty's not into the scene of- i do like the last line won't let the good times pass me by they're all i've got yep why not sure <laughs> sure again <laughs> But overall, it's it really is a terrific song. It's a terrific song, um, and it's one. It is a song for me that I can I can just not really think about the lyrics too much because the music is just so good. Yeah, so good. I mean, I could I could just listen to the drums on this song just yeah. over and over again. And again, we mentioned before the sound of this record is just heads and tails above the previous record. I think. Yeah, it just sounds great. The drums sound great. Getty's bass sound is great. Yeah. Alex's guitar sounds great. It's all great. Yeah. It's all good. So let's move on to track three, since we're not going to delve into the lyrics too deeply here, Jar. Well, this one we will. Beneath, between, and behind. So your thoughts, Jerry? Um, well, overall, it's it's a criticism of Amer- the American political landscape in the 1970s. Yeah, it sort of starts out kind of about the birth of America and yeah. and the crumbling of America and I the guess. crumbling of America around uh, Watergate. Yeah, here's one thing I noticed. Okay, what do you think this song has in common with the Gettysburg Address, Jerry? Oh, is there something? Yeah, ten oh, score sh- years ago, the, <laughs> that one. Neil and Abraham Lincoln are the only people I've heard use the word score. Yeah, that's right. Ever. I mean, does anybody say score? <laughs> I'm going to tomorrow. <laughs> you are Next not. time somebody asks me how old I am, I'm going to say two score and 10. Two score and 10? <laughs> All right. I think we should do that. Yeah. See how that goes. 10 score years ago, defeat the kingly foe, a wondrous dream came into being. Tame the trackless waste, no virgin land left chased, all shining eyes, but never seeing. For me, that's the key to the tone of this song. The little criticism, right? Uh, all shining eyes, but never seeing. 
even even back then when the the country was new and everybody was you know had had these great visions of what a new country could be mm-hmm. they were still they couldn't see their own faults they couldn't right. see the things that were going wrong uh, the, you know the the way that people were treated the westward expansion mm-hmm. how the you know the the uh native peoples were displaced and things like that i mean that's i that's what i think it's about no i i agree and the amazing thing to me is for such a young guy neil to write these lyrics i mean these lyrics are amazing these were the first lyrics he wrote it's crazy for rush now think about this okay you're getty lee now okay you just wrote best i can yeah. good song <laughs> and neil hands you these lyrics i mean what are you thinking when you're getty when you read these are you thinking how am i going to sing well, these first lyrics. of all, how am I going to sing these? And secondly, what the hell kind of who what writes the hell kind of lyricist <laughs> am I? Yeah. Look at this, uh, Neil. I think you can write the lyrics. From yeah, now I think. On. Yeah, why don't you take the? Yeah, why don't you do this? You take the wheel. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's really insane. I mean they're so good. I mean it's po- it's poetry is what it is. Right. I mean it's it's typical. What 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 becomes typical, Neil? Yeah. Just concise mm-hmm. and um you know, a little twist at the end. He he sets you up for one way of thinking and then kind of just flips it, you know, all shining eyes, but never seeing. Yeah. But then, you know, so the, the chorus, right? Yes. The lyrics that I've read are beneath the noble birth. Right. Between the proudest words behind the beauty cracks appear. Once with heads held high, they sang out to the sky. Why do their shadows bow in fear? I always thought that it was beneath the noble bird because bird rhymes with words and birth does not rhyme with words. It's close enough, though. It's not close at all. It's not even close enough for slant rhyme. Well, I'm reading it off the Rush website, oh, the that's, official those Rush Those are website. definitely the lyrics. Those are definitely the lyrics. And Neil has them handwritten. In, I in, hey, in listen. Here. I, I, let me look. Let me just check to no, make sure. That, make, did you double check? No, because uh, those are the lyrics. Okay. I just think it's strange because it just doesn't Hold on a second. (gasps) No. Check it out. It's Bird, Jer. You were right. Is it really? (gasps) It's Bird. This is the happiest I've been (laughs) in years. On the Rush website, it's wrong. I'm so happy. Are you? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The Noble Bird is the the Bald Eagle. Yes, the Noble Bird. Yeah. Beneath Beneath the Noble noble Bird. bird. What would the Noble Birth be? I don't know. Then I guess you were correct. I can't believe I was right. All yeah. of these years I've been thinking, man, because every time I, I read the lyrics, it's noble birth. And I'm thinking, how that's Neil's handwritten lyrics say beneath the noble bird, between the proudest words, behind See? the beauty cracks appear. Wow, look at that. I know. Let's make sure none of the other ones are wrong. Once with heads <laughs> held high, they sang out to the sky. Why do their shadows bow in fear? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm I'm wow. And I'm going to have to take a break, I think. So happy with myself. <laughs> and again, on the liner notes, we mentioned this when we were doing Crest of Steel. At the bottom of the lyrics, there are two cities mentioned, two oh. or three cities mentioned, which I'm guessing, again, we're guessing, yeah. this is where they were written. So this song was written in Seattle and Toronto. Oh, wow. That's uh, quite, quite a distance Yeah, to go from Seattle to Toronto. And in the, in the liner notes, uh, I have the... Um, the remastered version of Fly By Night, which came with the insert that came in the album, which right. you can barely read on the CD. Yeah. Better than uh, Crest of Steel, though. I've got to get this on vinyl because this will be cool to have. Yeah. 
Somewhere we've got to get that. We'll we'll uh, we'll post these on Twitter. The uh, Neil's handwritten lyrics. We've yeah. done, we did that with uh, Caress of Steel. We'll do it again and um, show you those lyrics yeah. as we're discussing this. Beneath so anything line. else on Beneath, Between, and Behind? Oh my Jim? God! Yeah, go so ahead. Much. Keep so going. Much. So again, in the in the chorus, once with heads held high, I always thought, and again, it's heads. I always thought it was once with hands held high. Okay, and only because um, the um, salute to the flag used to be with your hand held straight up it looked exactly gee i wonder why they don't do that anymore yeah they changed it they literally congress passed uh, an amendment to the flag code that in said, the 40s yeah yeah it, and there are pictures i could show you a picture of school children really raising their flags straight up it was called it had a name um it was called um the bellamy salute wow the guy who wrote the pledge of allegiance Oh wow! His last name was Bellamy, but it, people should look it up. I'll I'll post a maybe I won't post a picture of that <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram. Well, the other thing is, you know, I mean, it's a little disconcerting. But back then, it wasn't. No, well, people used to have. I mean, you look at um, Oliver Hardy's mustache, right? That mustache used to be in style. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. It stopped being in style pretty quick. Yeah, that that's for how the you, same reason. That's how you know you're evil. When you can ruin <laughs> a mustache. A mustache. <laughs> Even Stalin didn't ru- ruin a mustache. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Yeah, I mean, no, have you ever seen anybody have that <laughs> no, mustache since? No. Nobody. Nobody has you that. Can't, you, you can't do it. You cannot wear that. Yeah. Poor Oliver Hardy. Yeah. So then we move on from from the beginning of the country to the uh, building of the country, right? Watch the cities rise. Another ship arrives. Earth's melting pot, pot and ever-growing. Fantastic dreams come true, inventing something new, the greatest minds, but never knowing. Like great. never knowing what's going to come. Right. They, all these people, they have no foresight as to how the system is going to get so corrupted. Mm-hmm. And then the guns replace the plow. Facades are tarnished now. The principles have been betrayed. The dream's gone stale, but still let hope prevail. History's debt won't be repaid. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, and the guns outstanding. Re- the guns replace the plow is a in another semi quote from the Bible. Oh yeah, yeah. What, what part of the up. Bible? Well, it's from the Is- second book of Isaiah, as I'm sure you. Oh, I'm very familiar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, line uh, line four. You probably heard, you might have heard this before. I probably have. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. That's Jesus, of course, when Jesus comes back, or when when the Messiah, not when the Messiah comes okay. back. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So do you think he lifted that from the Bible? Guns replace the plow? Yeah. 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 I mean, swords into plowshares is is a pretty famous kind of- Do you think Neil read the Bible? Yeah. Yeah? Of course. He read everything, I think he, he read everything. He's amazing. But I mean, it's just funny. The, the guns replace the plow flips the meaning- is the, this passage is about how when the Messiah comes, there's going to be peace on mm-hmm. earth, right? Again, it, we that happened with peaceable kingdom. Let me talk about peaceable kingdom, right? Um, and you know, we shall beat the swords into plowshares, and this one says the guns replace the plow. So it went. It goes the opposite way. Right. Right. Neil's, right. Neil's the best. <laughs> he he really he really is the best. And this and this is the first set of lyrics he wrote yeah the first ones i wonder if he was nervous handing them over like how could you be nervous handing those lyrics over i don't know how could you be 
I don't know. I can't picture him being nervous handing them to get. I mean, after listening to the other lyrics and handing them this, I mean, come on. I don't know. Maybe he, I don't know. I don't know either. But uh, I'm curious. That'd be a great question to ask Getty when we have him on the podcast. What do you, What are you thinking when Neil hands you, you those lyrics? Beneath, between, behind. Yeah, that would be a fascinating thing to hear. Yeah, because he, pro- I mean, he would probably be honest and say, "Whoa, you know, amazing, yeah. amazing." And like you said, how the heck am I going to sing this? How am I going to sing this? How song? am I going to sing this? And speaking of how he's going to sing things, yes, track four. Oh boy, by tour and the snow dog. Why are you laughing, Jer? It's by tour. It's by tour and the snow dog. I was so in love with this song. You're and, not anymore. Well, I mean, you've fallen out of love. Uh, yeah, now it's more just like mutual admiration, I think. Okay, but back back in the day, this this was my song off this album. This was the I song. I loved this song, and we saw them play it. Yeah, and I loved it then too. Yeah, uh, it's it's amazing, and this is kind of the first taste we get of yeah. The long form yeah. song from I'm sure, Rush. I'm sure this was one of the songs that the record label was not happy with. Right. Yeah, I'm sure they didn't like this. By Tour and the Snow Dog. And then Rush answered them by creating the Fountain of Lamneth. <laughs> you know what? You didn't like By Tour? Check this out. <laughs> oh, you didn't you didn't like the Fountain of Lamneth? Here's twenty one twelve. Yeah, exactly. Screw you, record company. Um but Bytor and the, the names Bytor and the Snow Dog come from nicknames that were given to two of Ray Daniels' dogs? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. That's what I read too. Yeah. Bytor was a, a biter, apparently. A biter, yeah. And the Snow Dog was a white dog. Yep. So they called them Bytor and the Snow Dog. Yeah. So I think this is this is the first Rush song to have movements, what do you call them? Yeah. yeah. Parts. Mm-hmm. There are four parts to it, but part three the musical or the the uh like the musical interlude where the battle happens is broken up into four parts right and they're also they're all named yeah now part one and two i mean they're different lyrics but they don't sound any different right no they sound the same as yeah. i mean uh, on the fountain of lameth everything each, sound, yeah each part it could be its own song really right but parts one and two of this song are, more, more like chapters of a book. And in the case of a song, it's a verse of a song. Yeah. So the first verse is at the Tobes of Hades, and part two is across the sticks. So I looked up what Tobe, I had no idea what he was saying for the longest time. The Tobes of Hades. What is the Tobes of Hades? I don't think it's anything. I read that it was- you think Neil made it up? No, it was something evidently that Neil's dad would say, that like, it, it's as hot as the Tobes of Hades. Oh, really? And so I looked up Tobes, I'm like, oh, okay. The Tobes of Hades, but Tobes, it doesn't mean anything when in relation to Hades or anything, as far as I know. Now, do you think anyone thought Rush were Satanists because they're mentioning Hades, River Styx, all this satanic I guess. stuff? Morons. <laughs> People who, all, who only look uh, at the surface. This is a very bizarre song. Though, oh, yeah. Right? 
but it's amazing. It is an amazing song. Such a great song. No the, wonder you fell in love. Yeah, I'm in, I was in love with this song. The, the curious thing about this song, though, is that there's no, like, why are Bitor and the Snowdog fighting? Probably because they wanted the same food. <laughs> but there's They're no dogs, man. There's no like uh, there's no backstory, is what I'm saying. There's Bitor. You, you don't know why. Right. Bitor is just uh, basically from hell. Right. Right. Hades. Okay. Right. Which I guess if you, uh, yeah, he's from Hades. Hades is just the underworld. It's two different parts of Hades. Prince Bitor takes the cavern to the north light. Yep. What's the sign of F? Ah. I looked up. Oh, F. you did? I did. Okay. Because I always, I always, uh, the sign of F is rising in the air. No <laughs> idea what that meant. So this is, this is a little complicated. I found it complicated anyway. Okay. F, right. It's an old English letter, right? That was, that wasn't included in middle and modern English. Okay. So it's a letter that eventually disappeared. Right. It looked like a lowercase O with a line through it. And when it was capitalized, it looked like a capital letter D with a line through the vertical part of D. Okay. Then bear with me. I'm bearing. It was also the symbol for a letter that was pronounced thorn, which was an other, it was an old English letter that represented the sound th, like in like th. Okay. Right. Okay. Bear with me. And okay. thorn, that the, the letter thorn was adapted into old English from a Germanic ruin of the same name. And the ruin was associated with the Gothic word thuraz, meaning demons. So the sign, <laughs> the, the sign, sign of, of a demon. demon is rising in the air. Yeah, that's a very long way to get to the definition of this word. Now, do you think it was just he needed a one-syllable word for demon? And no, just... I think he read. He must have read it. Huh. Yeah, there's no way. He, no, he re- he definitely read something about the sign that. of F. He must maybe he was doing a lot of crossword puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> three, some weird three-letter three words. Three-letter word for demon begins with E? Yeah. F? Yeah, I mean, he definitely pulled this from somewhere because he just read a lot. So what That's do you all. think Ray Daniels thought when he heard this? His poor little puppies. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you think of my dogs? <laughs> I did read Bytor, some- the king of darkness, the knight <laughs> of darkness? But yeah, then we go across the river Styx. So we start with the Tobes of Hades, mm-hmm. right? And then across the river Styx, here comes the snow dog. Now the river Styx is in hell too, right? The river Styx is one of the cross to get to hell. Right. The seven circles, somewhere around the seven circles of hell or something like that, right? Mm, The river Styx. I don't know if it's in the seven circles of hell. That's, that might be a different thing. That's a different thing. Maybe. I don't know much about the seven circles of hell. I just just thought that the river Styx was part of that. All I know is that Hades is the underworld, but there are two different parts of the underworld. I should have asked my daughter, my older daughter's way into She's mythology. into the underworld? She's into the underworld. No, she loves mythology, and she told me all about Hades, how Hades is not the word for hell. It's the world for the under. It's the word for the underworld, but there oh. are two parts of the underworld, one of which is hell. And the other is Hades? No, it's something else. They, they do have words. That's a, that's a whole different thing. Okay. But then across the river Styx, uh, out of the lamplight, his nemesis is waiting at the gate. The snow dog. The snow dog. He's just there. He's a dog. So Bitor is a, is a person, right? He's Prince Bitor. Right. And his nemesis is a big dog. Is okay. a snow dog a dog or is a snow dog just like some guy? No idea. I'm assuming he's a dog. Okay. An actual literal dog. All right. And then they square for battle and let the fray begin. Then we get into the battle. Yeah. Then we get into the instrumental part, which is insane. Yeah. 
Totally which is, insane. Which is awesome. And I didn't even know that the little movements within the battle have names. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know that. Right. The first one is called Challenge and Defiance. Yep. The second one is called 7-4 Warfuhrer. Now is 7-4 referring to the time signature of the piece? I can imagine, yeah. Would have to be, right? Yeah. I'll have to check that. Right. We should have checked that before, but it's got to be. Yeah. Third is Aftermath and four is Hymn of Triumph. Wow. So yeah. I guess the Aftermath is the part that's really kind of slow, mm-hmm. right? And kind of builds back up. Yep. And then and, we've got the final verse. Yeah. Epilogue. Epilogue. Battle's over, dust clearing. Disciples of the snow dog sound the knell. Disciples, that's an interesting word to use. For puppies? <laughs> no, for, <laughs> al- I guess they're alkalites of the snow dog. Maybe yeah. some kind of god. I'm saying there's not a lot of backstory to this song. It's, it's just some uh, other songs have a little bit of, flesh, the story's fleshed out more than. You mean it's an interesting use just because disciples has is a, a biblical thing? Yeah, it has a meaning of people who are like, you know, Followers. devoted. Yeah. yeah. So okay. people are devoted to the snow dog. And uh, yeah, he's victorious in the land of the overworld is saved again. Opposite of underworld. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the underworld. Exactly. I don't think I've ever heard the word overworld used except for in this song. Yeah, I don't know if it's a, if it's an actual part of mythology to call, but you would assume that if something's called the underworld, the opposite of it would be the overworld. You would think. Yeah. Neil knows. That's where we live, the overworld. <laughs> yes. So we're going to start calling this. <laughs> You're going to call New Jersey overworld? <laughs> Where are you going? Well, just hanging out in the overworld. That's all. Yeah. So Neil, tour de force on this song. Yeah. I mean, just amazing. And can you imagine just hearing this for the first time in 1974, being a young Rush fan, putting this album in and can you hearing those crazy drums? Getty and Alex writing this song. I mean, oh. just to think that they were they were writing this music. And then they have this guy who's like, I have the, I've got the perfect thing for and this. And they're 21 <laughs> years old, these guys. I think Neil's maybe a year older, but. I know. I've I got mean, the perfect thing for this wacky song you just wrote. Yeah. It's, it's about, it's about two dogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, they just must've had a blast making this record. Right. Really. Must've been just a ball. And yeah. we had a blast talking about it. Well, at least, Are we done? At least side one. Yeah. Oh, wow. We're done talking about side one. And I think it was a good discussion. Yeah, absolutely. And on the next Something for Nothing podcast, we're going to talk about side two of Fly By Night. Sure. That's and I'm excited about that as well. Yeah. So uh, before we wrap it up, Jared, you have a, a quote for me. I do. Oh, exciting. Yeah. Let's know your it. place in life is where you want to be and don't let them tell you that you owe it all to me, Steve. You don't uh, owe me anything. I knew that. <laughs> Take care. All right. See you.